Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Thursday, December 15th, 2022. It is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly after the live show on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone's having a great week. I am Mike Hack. We are two days away from the final UFC events of 2022, which is kind of crazy to think about it. There are certain times throughout the year where it feels like the year just started. And then there are certain times throughout the year where it's like, man, I feel like this year has taken five years. It's just one of those crazy years. But it has been a year full of stories, a year full of big fights, a year full of chaos, some controversy mixed in. A little bit of everything for 2022, most notably for the UFC. And I got to say, this card on Saturday is pretty damn solid. Main event, Jared Kennedy versus Sean Strickland. My main event is actually the co-main event. Armand Sarukian versus Demir Izbagulov. We get the return of Amir Albazi. Get a fun one between Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, and Julian Arosa. Drew Dober, Bobby Green is on this card. Cody Brundage, Mikhail Oleksiak. We get the return of Cheyenne Velizmus versus Corey McKenna. A couple of up-and-coming strawweights. Jake Matthews is back. Someone who I'm very high on after his win over Andre Fialio at UFC 275, taking on Matthew Semmelsberger. Let's see if Duran win can get a much-needed victory against Julian Marquez. We get the battle of the Saeeds. Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Saeed Ikab Hakramanov. We got Mahashata versus Rafa Garcia. Renat Fakratinov versus Brian Battle. We get Manel Kopp back in there against David Dvorak. Sergey Morozov versus Jordy Newsom. It's a very solid card. It's a very solid fight night card. There have been far worse 
2022 than this one. 14 fights, earlier start time, starts at 4 p.m. Eastern, the prelims, main card at 7. A lot to like on this final card. And you may have seen in the description we're doing a free-for-all Thursday, and the reason is there won't be a show tomorrow. I'm not really sure how this is going to work over the next couple weeks, but my vacation, my holiday travel, because there's going to be so much friggin' travel over the next couple of weeks, uh, begins tomorrow. So tomorrow's going to be a day of just getting everything ready. I might actually play a little golf while my kid's at school. And then uh, we are off to Boston at like 7.30 tomorrow night to freeze our asses off for the next five or six days. My plan is to probably do a show next Thursday, just kind of check in and react to whatever's going on in the wonderful world of MMA. We're going to do like our award stuff. So we'll have an award show. So I'll do a bunch of stuff for that. But for the most part, I'm going to be unplugged from the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, but I'm going to try to check in maybe once a week during the, the break, but no show Friday. So we're going to do the free for all Friday stuff today. So it's free for all Thursday. We will have a BTL today. We're just going to do what we did last week. Me and Jed live bouncing back and forth off each other. That goes out at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then all the stuff that we typically do for fight weekends all happening tomorrow. With the preview show, all of that. Uh, I'm not sure who will be hosting that. Pre-fight, people's pre-fight show Saturday, post-fight show Saturday night. Uh, AK will have on to the next one on Sunday with somebody else as a co-host. Not sure who that's going to be, but, uh, my vacay starts tomorrow, but I'm going to try to get a show in for you guys next week. But with that being said, let's get off to this and turn it over to you guys for as long as we do this. So Zach, we'll begin with you and then we'll tag in Tristan Gordet. Zach, hello. Hey Mike, how you doing? Bit a minute, uh, hit him, hit him straight tomorrow then if you play on the golf course. Um, two questions for you. Uh, first one would be a lot of issues with the judging in the Sabatella or the, the one judge in the Sabatella Stotts fight, the 50 45, but I'm not really concerned about that. I'm more, no one's really been talking about it, but do you think that let's say it was 48, 47, Sabatella, he gave the scorecard. Is that a fair scorecard or was it a clear Stotts win? I just seen more about that one scorecard than if it actually was a close fight. Cause the other two were 48, 47. So I didn't know if it can go. If you believed, you thought they can go both ways. The other one that's interesting is um, after this fight card, you know, we had some in the over the last couple of weeks, we had some middleweights come up. Guys like DDP, Roman Delice, you know, you have Nunez and Imanov, kind of similar to what we have with the lightweight division right now, where, you know, you got Sarukian and Ismagulov fighting. Do you think there'll be which fighters out of those group of up and coming middleweights do you think will get that push by the promotion to, you know, fight some of the bigger names like Vittori or maybe a loser of this main event coming up? Or in which ones do you think might have to fight each other like a Ismagulov and Sarukian or a, you know, Sarukian Gamron uh, type? Uh, thanks, Mike, and uh, have a good vacation. Thanks, man. So the first part. If, you, if Crosby or anybody else scored that fight 48-47 for Sabatello, I would not have had a huge issue with that. It was, a, it was a really close fight. I thought Stotts did a little more in the damage department, but it's kind of hard to define because there are certain rounds that were scored for Stotts that you could have scored for Sabatello, in my opinion. 
watching it live, and I have gone back and rewatched it. Watching it live, I scored it 48-47 for Sabatello. I thought Sabatello won the first two rounds. Stotts won the third. Sabs won the fourth, and I think Stotts won the fifth. That's how I scored it live, but I've rewatched it. And since then, I've changed my mind to 48-47. I gave Stotts around two, uh, but the rest I scored the same. The problem is the 50-45. And even if you scored a 50-45 for Stotts, that would have been a, a pretty awful scorecard. That's a 48-47 fight. It's a 48-47 fight. It's three rounds to two. If you want to give it to Sabs, cool. If you want to give it to Stotts, I think Stotts is probably the rightful winner. But yeah, I, I if Crosby scored at 48-47 for Sabatello, I don't think we'd be talking about it at all, honestly. But the 50-45, to me, is probably the worst scorecard issued by any judge in 2022. One of the worst I've ever seen. It's just horrendous. And there's no excuse for it. There is no there. It is inarguable. You can't argue like it's just inexplicable. It's egregious. It's a fucking horrible scorecard. I'm sorry. It's a terrible scorecard. Uh, so I think that's where the big issue comes. I think if you scored a 49, 46 Sabatella, I think we'd be having a conversation, but 50, 45 is just outrageous. It's friggin' terrible. As far as the middleweight division goes, I think DDP will probably get the opportunity first because I think the Till fight, I, I think beating Darren Till still means something. Uh, a lot of people know who he is, casuals and hardcores. So I think he'll probably be the guy that gets the step up before any of the others that you mentioned. I know Delize has been on a tear. I'd like to see Delize and Vittori, but I just don't think that fight's going to happen. So I think DDP will probably have the best shot. Plus, DDP is a super exciting fighter. And I think a lot of people got to see that for the first time. People who didn't know who DDP was tuned in to watch him fight a guy like Darren Till. And they were like, oh, man, this guy's fun. And there are no boring Trickus Duplessis fights. So I think it's going to be him. I could see a world where they're probably – I think – the, the only the reason why we're getting Sarukyan is Magulov is because no one wants to fight Sarukyan. No one wants to fight him. I still think he beat Matush Gamrod, and no one wants to fight this dude. <laughs> and I get it. The risk reward is just not there. And I feel like the biggest and it's not the same because I. I'm high on this guy that I'm about to mention, but not as high on this guy as I am on Sarukian. Like, I think Andre Muniz's road to a title fight is going to be a long one because I just don't think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be like, all right, I'll fight him. It's just going to be, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be a tougher road. So, yeah, I think we might see a world where a Muniz deletes a fight happens sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think if we're talking about, guys fighting like the Paul Costas of the world and even the Vittorias of the world, it's probably Drickus Duplessis. I think he's got the the edge. But middleweight's getting getting fun. It's getting fun. Tristan, hello. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep. What's up, buddy? Mike, um, speaking about um, Armin Sarukian versus uh, Demir Ismagulov, 
Um, is there is there a high concern for you um, with Armin with this fight here? I mean, I remember I was listening to Luke Thomas and you know he felt like people are underestimating Demiris Vagulov of how good he's been, how skillful he's been, and you know this guy is really really good and no one's really talking about him him making a run or contending for the lightweight title. So I, I'm just I'm just saying because if Uma, if Armin Sarukin loses this fight, it's going to set him back. So you know, I'm, and again, I'm not saying that Armin Sarukin can't beat Demir. I'm just saying the level of concern here if Armin Sarukin loses to Demir Uzmagulov in this fight right here, which could set him back tremendously. I mean. I just feel like Armin. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure here for Armin Sulukian that he's got to win this fight to continue his uh, run for title contendership. You know, so what's your level of concern if Armin loses this fight against Demir? Thanks, Mike. Um, level of concern, not a ton, because to me, if he loses this fight, it's going to be. It's going to be another like controversial splitty. Cause I like honestly, I went back and watched Demir's last fight with Guram Kutatalatse, and I thought Guram won that fight. I thought Guram won that fight. So I like, and maybe it's just because I'm so high on Sarukian. I think Sarukian's going to, I don't think he's going to run his Wagulov over, but I feel pretty confident that he's going to win this fight running away. Might even finish Ismagulov. I just think Ismagulov does a lot of things very good, but he's not excellent at really anything. And Sarukian's excellent at a lot of stuff. Almost everything. I think he can I think he could strike with Ismagulov. I think he could grapple him. I think his finishing ability is much better. I think he's a far better athlete. I, actually, I, I think this is going to be the coming out party, honestly. I, I think people look at this fight like it's like it's a really close fight, and I get it. Because Demir Zmugulov is really, really good. And I would pick Demir against a lot of these up-and-coming lightweights, but this is just a different guy. To me, Sarukian is, at worst, the eighth-best lightweight in the world. Because I still think he won that Gamma fight. I, I think I just think Sarukian just has all the tools to win this fight. And the things that Guram Kutatalatse was able to do against Izbagulov, Sarukian could do that 10 times better and 10 times more effectively. So if Izbagulov goes out there in 30-27s, Sarukian, then I'm going to be a little bit more concerned. But this is not a five-round fight. This is three-round Sarukian, and that's just a different animal. So I don't have a lot of concern here. But again, if, if Izbogulov just goes out there and just stunts on him, then we're having a different conversation. But if Sarukian goes out there and loses another controversial split decision, yeah, it sets him back for sure. But again, he's only 26. He's got a long way to go. He hasn't even reached his full potential yet, which is super scary. It should be super scary for anybody else in this division right now. But, yeah, outside of him just getting styled on, I don't have a ton of concern. If he loses a close split decision, it's all right. Like, it'll set him back. His 
current title hopes fade off for now, but this dude's got another seven or eight years to go and he's only going to get better. But I think he learned. I, I think the Gamrot fight, no matter how you scored it, no matter how it was scored on fight night, that fight is going to do so much for Amran Sarukian in the future. And I don't think, I don't, I honestly don't think this fight's going to be, I think there's going to be times of competitiveness, but I honestly think Sarukian is going to win this fight pretty convincingly. When it's all over, we're going to be like, damn, Sarukian's the real. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Viking MMA, and then we'll go to Cringe Judo, and then we'll go to Toke, and then we'll go to Crypto. Viking, hello. Viking. Hey, buddy. It's your boy's fight rig, so you should be happy jumping on your seats. Roman Sarukia. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, Ariel made a statement in MMAR that if a judge has to uh, has a fight to judge on his schedule, then that judge should be fresh-minded and not tired. Where uh, Douglas Crosby was uh, catching flights, traveling one place to another, right? And and then Big John McCarthy made some comments on that, that the judge can do, and uh, judge can do such things. And you know there is no need. I mean, 
there is no need you know to force him not to go on the multiple locations to judge a fight and and john magarthi uh, hello yeah i hear you and then he said that you know the uh, douglas crosby gave that scorecard to paddy just because you know he wanted to make ufc happy because uh, sometimes fighter and promotions are helping judges and referees to get sponsorships and other sorts of money earning things so how these two statements are relevant and i think both ariel and big john are telling the truth thank you yeah i i mean look i i have no proof to back this up but wouldn't surprise me if that's Doug Crosby and his relationship with Dana White and how he feels about Dana White. It's pretty public. Uh, he loves Dana White. So I, I get it. Like if there are judges who can do this and do it fine. And I have no issue with that. My issue is when this guy drops a 50-45 scorecard for Danny Sabatello against Rafian Stotts and then the Nevada Athletic Commission is certainly aware of this scorecard because everybody's freaking talking about it. And they're just like, yeah, come to Las Vegas and judge one of our fights. Like, you can't do that. These commissions need to come together and be like, all right, this guy had one of the worst scorecards I've ever seen. We can't allow him to go across the country to judge this fight. Like, all these commissions need to come together. Like, tell them to stay the fuck home. You're messing with people's livelihood. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, how can we fix judging and, and, and all of this? Like, and pulling Crosby all together, I don't know if that's the answer. I would love to see that happen. I think there's enough evidence where his scorecards just suck, mostly across the board. But at the same token, like, I know some people are saying, well, it should be former fighters that do it. It should be longtime martial artists. It should be pros who are judges. And yeah, I mean, cool if you want to do that. But Anthony Smith's been saying what I've been saying for a long time. The issue with that is maybe a certain fighter favors a certain style. Maybe a certain fighter has trained with one of the fighters in the fight. Maybe he's friends with the judge or something like that. And that creates a whole new thing. So my whole... My whole fix of this, this ain't a fix, but this is something. But I've been saying this for a long time. Nobody wants to be a judge. Why would you want to be a judge? I would go through like the class just to learn stuff. But if you think I'm going to spend my time for to make 75 cents to judge an MMA fight, F that noise. Like this has to be, this has to be like, a, a, a full-time job where you don't just work on Saturdays. You work during the week to help with commission stuff or you're just constantly learning and growing and you're going and watching different fights and you're, you're, you're doing different things. Like this has to be worthwhile. There's no way these judges are making anything. Like what's the point? It's the same people. We're not getting new faces. We're getting the same freaking people over and over again. 
And that is a problem. That is a problem because the sport has evolved so much over the last 10 years. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So I don't think fight, like you just have to make it worth your while. Like you have to make it to the, like, I'm not saying it has to be a point where like elementary school kids, when they're doing their career days and, oh, when I grow up, I want to be an MMA judge. No, I'm not saying that, but you have to make it like somewhat sustainable and somewhat worth the time for intelligent human beings who have some idea and some semblance of what they're watching when these guys are fighting each other. We're not getting that here. We're getting boxing judges who don't know what the hell they're watching. And it's ridiculous. And we have all these different criteria and all this stuff, but no one's changing. No one's changing. No one wants to be a judge. Who wants to be a judge? You're probably like, you're not making anything. Is it, plus the judges should be, they should have to answer for this shit. They should have to do a Zoom call with members of the media if there's a questionable scorecard. And kudos to Mike Mazzulli for saying, we're going to review this and there could be possible sanctions. That's great. But that's not enough for me. Mike Mazzulli should force Douglas Crosby on the Zoom call with members of the media, Bellator staff, all of this, so we can ask what the hell he was watching. Because this is, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And I'm sick of talking about it. And I don't, and I know Ally Quinch just, just popped in here. Open scoring doesn't change any of this. Okay? It doesn't change any of it. I understand people want to see it, and there's certain examples you'll be like, okay, this would be interesting if the fighter knew where he was at. But at the same token, we complain about judging so much. If you instituted open scoring, can you imagine the reaction watching that Patty Pimblet fight? If we had open scoring and we saw two of the judges score that first round for Patty Pimblet, can you imagine what Twitter would have been like? It would have been a nightmare. It would have been a nightmare. We're going to just complain more if we do open scoring. That's all. The, it, it's all there is. But we have to get competent judges who come in and judge these fights. And we also have to make it worth their while to want to actually do it. Because other than that, if we don't do this, Doug Crosby and Adelaide Bird and all of these other people who we see time and time again are going to be the same faces and the same names we see on these broadcasts. But there's just no nothing worthwhile that makes anybody want to be a judge. I certainly wouldn't want to do it. Like I said, I'd go through the class just to learn a little bit more about it. But you think I'm going to spend my Friday night judging a regional card for like five bucks? F that noise. No way. Absolutely not. Let's go to my boy, Toke. Toke, hello. Uh, just to uh, say that, I will just uh, I will move on to this weekend uh, that's coming up because I want to get your perspective on the Gaethje scale, which fight is uh, at, on top of that. And what I mean by that is, of course, the most violent fight of the weekend I want to hear your take on that. And I don't mean just the UFC, because my take is that the main event of KSW with Puchanovsky and Kaladov, I believe his name is, that is violence personified, and I'm so ready for it. And that is probably, uh, okay, I'm more looking forward to Sarukian and Ismagulov, but the most intriguing fight for me 
every time Puchinovsky is in the cage, oh my God, I'm going to watch. So I just want to get your take on what is the most violent fight of the weekend. So uh, have a good Thursday, Mike. Thanks, man. I mean, that's probably the correct answer, but let's look at this UFC card and see what the most violent fights will be. Um, I mean, Drew Dober, Bobby Green screams to me. That's just going to be a – there's no way that fight doesn't stink. That's got to be the fight of the night. That's my pick. Uh, Dober hits like a truck. Bobby Green is tough as hell. Great boxer. Doesn't get enough credit. That's probably the correct answer. I have to say, I think, I think Jake Matthews, Matthew, Matthew Semmelsberg could be another one. But honestly, I just think because Jake Matthews, I think Matt's going to have his moments, but I think Jake is just finding his stride right now. He's not a 19-year-old kid anymore. This dude's a man. He's a grown friggin' man now, and he's finally starting to realize that. So probably one of those two fights. I mean, I think we're going to see a bunch of finishes on this card, but, I mean, it's kind of a... Your pick with Pooj and Dober and Green seem like great choices. Alex Caceres, Julian Arosa is going to be a going to be a battle too, because Jul- that's what Julian Arosa does, and Caceres gets himself in those types of fights. Uh, so those are probably like the all violence awards. I think Dvorak Manel Cop could be a fun one too with the striking. Yeah, I think we're going to get a bunch of finishes. There's going to be some good fights with like some good grappling exchanges, like the Nermaga Madoff Hakurmano fight is going to be pretty wild. I don't know if it's going to be like a violent wild fight, but it's going to be a really highly competitive wild matchup. The mixing of the martial arts. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe Sarukian Ismagulov is, is much more violent. The main event could be violent, but I think it's going to come from more the violence is going to come more from Jared Cannonier. I mean, Strickland could pick Cannonier apart for five rounds, but I think Cannonier, where he's at right now in this division with some of these guys coming up, Cannonier can't be gun shy in this fight. I think he's got to pull the trigger. And if he does, we could get a violent finish. So lots to choose from, but it's Pujanowski fights probably the overall weekend answer to me. Let's go to cringe judo. Good heck of a morning to everybody. Um, I'm going to circle back around to that Doug Crosby thing. I just wanted to throw this out there. Do you think they're not really throwing a big fuss about it because he was consistent, per se? Like, he gave them control time for his scorecards. He, like, gave the last round to Jared Gordon, then he gave all the rounds to Sabatello. So, I mean, he's at least being a little consistent by giving control time to the fighter. But I don't know. Just want to throw that out there. My next thing is, how close are we to this Usman Mos? I mean, Masvidal Leon Edwards fight. Thanks for letting me talk, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Mm, probably not. With your first question, I mean, they're just horrible scorecards. They're both just bad scorecards. And I know that Crosby isn't the only one that gave Patty the first round, but that's just that's just bad scoring. It's just bad scoring. And this is coming from somebody who. Thought it was a robbery on Saturday, watching it live, re-watching it, coming on the show Tuesday and feeling like it wasn't a robbery, but then like watching the fight and looking at the scorecards at the same time and understanding that you can scream robbery here. 
Like, you can scream robbery here. It's not – to me, if you just scored the fight 29-28 for Patty, it doesn't – it's not the end of the world. Like, if you gave Patty two and three, I, like, you, there's a case to be made for that. The R word comes into play because of that first round. Because it's a t- just horrible scoring. That first round should not have been scored for Patty. Sorry. No, there's no world where Patty won that round. I scored the third round for Patty on both, on both times I watched it. Neither guy did much, but I think Patty was more effective with the striking. Not by a lot, but enough. And I thought Jared won the seconds. I thought he landed the, the cleaner shots, the more powerful shots. Patty had his moments too, especially like the last 15, 20 seconds of the round. But I still think Jared won. But if you score 29-28, I ain't mad at you. But the fact that the first round went to Patty on two cards, I get the robbery talk. I get it. It's just a horrible card. Both, it's just terrible. Just terrible. Really, really bad. Really, really bad. I forget your other question. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe someone could fill me in. Julio, I'm going to you, and then Crypto, you're on deck. Sorry. How's it going? What's up? So I wanted to talk more about the, the technical aspect. Uh, it's clear that Patty's striking is his weakness, and you would say it's average, maybe below average, more so Bryce Mitchell. Like, for example, do you think it's something that they're not working on or, like, they, they don't see that – they're clearly deficient in that area and take it from me that I'm not in the gym with them and I'm a nobody, but do you think it's something that, that they don't, they don't recognize or just it's been working for them. So whatever, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it type of thing. Thanks, man. I like, I, you can't, I, I don't think you can compare Patty to Bryce with the striking. I think Patty's striking is much better than Bryce Mitchell's striking. It's not great. The problem with Patty's striking is he's horrible defensively. He just can't block anything. And that was like a big, like if you watch, if you watch back the Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley fight, Joaquin Buckley looked pretty good in that fight, right? You're sitting there watching in real time. You're like, man, Joaquin is just lighting this guy up. But if you go back and watch it and watch all of those strikes, Chris Curtis blocks like 75% of them with his arms or his shoulders or his wrists. Like his guard is so good. He's so defensively sound in there that when that opening comes, he can just take it. And that's exactly what he did in the fight. Like go back and watch that one. And you can see the difference between a patty striker who can be effective offensively but have absolutely no defense, and Chris Curtis who can strike offensively effectively, he might actually be better defensively than he is offensively, and he's pretty goddamn good offensively. But that was the big difference in the fight. He just let Joaquin kind of punch himself out, and then he found the opening, landed the big shot, and finished him. Tiago Moises at 155 is great at that. Very solid, fundamentally sound offensive striker, but his defense is so good. And if you want a great example of that, go watch Tiago Moises' fight with Alexander Hernandez. 
because Hernandez still to this day feels like he won that fight. I don't think so because Moises is so good at evading and so good at blocking and so good at just getting just out of range so you don't actually make good contact with him. Defense is huge, man. Like It may not affect the scoring all in all, but that's the biggest issue with Patty with the striking. He just gets punched so much. And if he fights any of these other big hitters, it ain't going to go well. It's just not going to go well. Jared's a good striker, but he's not like a knockout artist. Eventually, if they keep riding Patty up this trajectory, he's going he's gonna to face a big hitter who's just going to crack him. Things last forever. Chins don't. And eventually, someone's going to find that chin. That's the biggest issue with Patty. Offensively, he's, he could be effective. I mean, we've seen him drop dudes. We've seen him hurt guys in the feet. But he just gets hit so often. And eventually, at this level, it's not going to last forever. He's got to work on defense. But Patty's just, he thrives off chaos. Like, that's, Patty's effective with chaos. That's why he gets the submissions that he gets. It's mostly in scrambles. He's great at taking the back. But as an all-in-all fighter, I think people, what people are starting to realize with Patty is that there's a ceiling to somebody like this. And I think we've reached it. I'm not saying he can't evolve any further, but I, I just don't see him beating a top 15 guy. Like, I, I don't see it. Just too high level. And that's fine. Like, you can make a great lit. Like, if, if Patty fights either Drew Dober or Bobby Green, he's going to lose. And those guys aren't even top 15 guys. Who fights either of those guys? He's in, he's in trouble. That's why I like the Terrence McKinney fight. I think, I feel like Terrence can win, and Terrence probably should win, but Patty is so durable that if he can get out of the first round and extend it, Patty has a chance to win that fight. So that's somewhat intriguing to me. Like, these are the types of matchups for Patty. Top 30 dudes. You keep that guy far away from the top 15. Do not do that. Do not, do not put him in there with the top 15 guy. But that's the biggest discrepancy with Patty striking. It's just his, he's got no defense at all. None. And that's a problem in the UFC, especially in this friggin' division. Holy cow. You're only going to get away with that for so long. Crypto, hello. Good. How are you? Good. So first of all, Mike, don't ruin the fun, Mike. Let's just keep on pretending that Paddy is uh, God's gift to the MMA community. He's the best fighter in the world. He's the new Conor McGregor. He crushed Jared Gordon. So let's give him a top opponent. Let's finally see how he does. I mean, he's, he's the best fighter ever. Let's not spoil the fun, Mike. Just, as I said, Jalen Turner, Armand Sarukia. That's the fight to make. Don't give him these fights. I mean, let's just, I mean, put your, basically, it's, I'm just so tired of this. And all I keep hearing is his, his great chin. He has such a great chin. And all, in essence, what that means, whenever you hear that is basically he has zero defense. But he thinks that he's the best in the world. Let's stop protecting him. Like, okay, you want to, you want to really try your skills against a top opponent? Let's do it. Let's freaking do it. So, Mike, two, two questions. The first one is, 
all this judging, uh, judging stuff that is going on. I just want your take on, I don't know if you've seen, and, and listen, I'm not a big fan of the PFL, but one thing that I kind of like is this smart cage where they have these different types of metrics. Uh, and there is like a company or something that, uh, I think they have like between 15 and 20 people working every fight behind the stage. Basically it looks almost like, I don't know, it's like a high-tech room with bunch of screens, bunch of data that's being gathered on punch speed and, and different different metrics. And I'm not saying it's perfect. Don't get me wrong. I know that it's, I mean, still a system can be biased and there's other things to take into consideration. But I kind of like that. Like, basically, it's data-driven decision-making. Uh, I don't have much info about it, but I was just wondering what your take is on the PFL smart cage and if that could be at least one piece of the puzzle uh, with regards to judging. Um, and the second question is, Mike, um, Damir Ismagulov against Tarukan. I kind of have the same feelings here that I had when it comes to Tsarukan against Gamrot, that it's basically for Sarukian, it's it's the type of fight that has very little upside. Let's say he beats Ismagulov, he will still be kind of in the same situation, right? I mean, it's still he's still fighting down. He's basically gonna have to fight a very good fighter, no matter what we think about Ismagulov. And I agree with you. I don't think Ismagulov won his last fight. So so I, I, I completely agree with you, but still He's a he's a good fighter. He's he's really. I mean, I don't think he has lost in like six seven years. Uh, he's an up and comer, so to say, within the UFC at least. So I, I mean, I like the fight, but once again, I'm very yeah. I don't know. It's like a guilty guilty pleasure, Mike. Like it's kind of I want to see the fight, but at the same time, I would. Would have loved to seen uh, maybe Gamrot against Sarukian later on in their careers, and I kind of feel the same with regards to Ismagulov and, and Sarukian. So yeah, those are my two questions, Mike: the PFL cage and and your take on that that it's maybe not the most optimal uh, matchup for Sarukian. Thank you, Mike. No, I I completely agree with you. It's not the most optimal matchup for Sarukian, but it's the only guy that would say yes from all accounts. Um, and they both just happen to be managed by the same guy and the same team. So it's tough, man. It's tough in this division. I mean, there's just so many guys that are really good that are going to have a tough time getting matchups. Surukian probably at the top of that list. Grant Dawson, Jalen Turner. Th- these guys are going to have a really tough time getting fights because this is no up. This is not a ton of upside beating them. Like, the hardcore fans, people in this room understand how good these guys are, but there's no cachet, really. And that's just what this division looks like right now. It's the same guys, and I'm hoping that eventually this changes. And I thought we were kind of going in that direction with the Gamrot versus Benil Dariush fight, but then Benil went out there and won, and now we're still kind of logjammed up the top with what's going on up there right now. So I don't know, man. I don't know how these guys are going to move up. Eventually, they're just going to have to, and this is kind of going to have to be the the path for Sarukian. He's going to have to take on the guys that are right around the same as him. All these up and comers, he's just going to have to eliminate all of them, and vice versa. 
Like, I don't think I, – I think if Sarukian wins, he's probably going to have to fight like a Jalen Turner or somebody like that or, or Grant Dawson. Like, these are the dudes that he's probably going to have to fight. So, it's going to be a long road. It's going to be a Makachev-esque road to the top for a guy like Sarukian. And it's not really fair. I get it. But that's kind of where we're at right now. And I was kind of hoping that with the Patty thing, if Patty was going to win – the best case scenario for at least moving this division along or at least giving somebody a little bit of an extra boost is that Patty went out there and just ran over Jared and subbed him out. Like a lot of people felt like if Patty were to win, that's how we would have to do it or that's how we would do it. But that's not what happened here. So now we can't throw Patty into a fight like that to boost somebody else's stock because Patty's stock dropped with that fight. So yes, division's... It's tough. It's just tough to get any any movement going. And I kind of feel for Armand. I know the Gamera fight was super close, but I still feel like Sarukian won that fight. And who knows what a Sarukian versus Dariush fight would have looked like. So, but again, I'm not going to go crazy about it because it was super close and super fun. It's my favorite fight of the year. It's probably not going to, it won't win fight of the year. But I can assure you, uh, we're going to be doing our voting. Sarukian Gamrot will be in my top three. Maybe even number two. But probably number three would be my guess. And then the PFL Smart Cage thing. I don't know, man. I mean, are the judges going to look at that? I don't know. And then there's no damage bar. Like, if there's, like, Jed's always been an advocate of a damage bar, but you can't even, like, if damage is the number one piece of the criteria, you can have the smartest cage in the world and you can't determine damage. Like it's, it's hard to even define it at times. Like what is damage when a fight, when a round is so equal? Like I understand the difference. Just look at the last two fights Rob Font had. Look at Rob Font, Jose Aldo. Look at Rob Font, Marlon Vera. The amount of strikes that Rob was landing against both of those guys, but then just getting absolutely clipped Especially in the Cheeto fight. That's the one. That's the one. Like, Font, like, tripled him up on strikes. But, man, when Cheeto was landing on him, he was landing big. Just such a big difference. So, I don't think the smart cage thing will, will really help. What, what needs to happen is you need to take... Like, the judges can be cage side. Like, I don't give a shit. But they need somehow to be out of the environment whether you just put them in a box with a TV monitor or you put headphones on them, like noise-blocking headphones to just watch the fight for what it is. It's tough. I'm not saying judging is easy. It's not. But when you're having 50-45 scorecards and you're watching Jared Gordon just light up Patty Pimblett on the feet with that left hand and you still don't give him the round, we got to fix it. We got to fix it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to Chris, then we'll go to Bug, and then we'll go to Atharva, and then we'll go to Anthony. Chris, hello. All right, Matt. A uh, couple of questions. Uh, what do you think is next for Kobe Coven? And also, how do you think uh, George Hardwick could fare against the lightweights in the UFC? Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. I got to think about the Hardwick one. Let me pull. That's that, that's a great question. I think he'd do okay. I don't know if he's a top fifteen guy, but again, that's okay. I'd like to see him get a shot, though. Like I, he's after that win in November. I don't think he needs to go on the contender series or anything like that. I think this guy's established enough. I I would love to see him just get a shot. I would like to see him get a shot in March on this pay-per-view. I don't know. Like, I don't know who you would throw him up, who you would throw him in there with right now, but I don't know. Maybe he is a top 15 guy. I don't know if he's fighting for a belt or anything, but dude's real solid. He could be in the mix with a lot of these guys. So yeah, I like that one. He's on a, he's on a great run right now. He's a finisher. He's an exciting guy to watch. Could finish you everywhere. I love the body work too. This guy's very solid. So no contender series for this guy. He should just get a shot, especially when they go back in March. Uh, put him on that pay-per-view card. I'd watch the hell out of that. Colby, I have no idea, man. Oh, and that reminded me of the other question. Um, the fight to make is Colby versus Hamzad. Like, I'd love – that's the one you have to do. That's the one you have to make. Someone asked earlier about Mazadal versus Edwards – Based on, there's a clip. Uh, Wonder Boy did an interview. I forget the guy's name that he did the interview with. Uh, and Wonder Boy put out that he heard that Usman's having surgery on his hand, and that he's hearing Mazadal might might hop in and and fight for the belt. Um, I know Henry Hoof just posted videos of Usman training and wrestling, and seeming like his hands fine. I know our own Damon Martin had reached out to some folks um, with knowledge of the situation and verbatim what was written was that's absolute bullshit. So not buying it until this is one of those situations where until I, I don't think it's happening. I think we'll see you. I think we're going to see Edward Zeusman three. Uh, I have not seen anything or have, Neither of us have been told anything uh, otherwise. But I will tell you this. If something does happen and Usman isn't, isn't, that, isn't in that fight, we better be ready for a world where Jorge Mazadal is getting a title fight. It's just going to happen, my friends. It's the world we live in. But I wouldn't worry about that right now from all indications. Bug, Hello. Are you there? 
just got to unmute yourself. Going once, twice. All right, try again. Uh, let's go to Atharva. He's been waiting for a minute. Atharva, are you there? You are muted as well. There we go. Hey, man. Great, great fan. I'm from India, and I've been listening to all your podcasts, and this is the first time I'm joining li- live here, and it's been really, really great listening to you, Mike. So my question... Welcome. Yeah, so my question to you is, so basically there are four people in this picture right now, the light heavyweight picture, and among which, after this draw, UFC have come to the conclusion that, you know, let us put someone for Glover Teixeira to fight in Brazil, and it's Jama Hill. So I want to ask you that, is it the right choice to make who is fighting Glover Teixeira here? I know. Glover deserves every shot right now. He's the man who has lost the most out of this picture. But is Hill the right man? Uh, leaving aside the remaining three or four people who are included in this title picture, who else you could have, you know, put into uh, this fight versus Glover? Would have would, would it be Rakic? Or you think it's a right decision among the people who are left here? Good question. Uh, yeah, I do think it's the right decision. Jamal Hill's on a tear. I even suggested on the watch party, like as soon as the main event ended in a draw, just do Glover versus just pull Jamal Hill from the Anthony Smith fight and just do that one. I'm fine with it. Like, I, I, there's just it's just tough because it's somewhat short notice. Jan and Ankaliyev aren't getting back that quickly, especially Ankaliyev. I just feel like if you're going to get Glover on that card, Jamal's probably the way to go. Jamal's probably the way to go. And I think it's it's an intriguing fight. It's one that I I favor Glover in, uh, but Jamal is a friggin' monster. He hits so hard. But Glover's just a beast on the ground, man. It's going to be a really interesting fight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's just weird because... You could have just done this in the first place, number one. And number two, just think of the world we'd be living in right now if the UFC just did Glover versus Jan to begin with. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You went to Glover, said, hey, fight Ankle Live. Said, no, I'll fight Jan. You just said, okay. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? And as I told you on the show, and I, I think... Jamal revealed this on the MAR, but I told you this when the fight was announced. Jamal Hill was being discussed to fight this past Saturday. I was told because we had confirmed the Anthony Smith fight, the matter was the date. Originally, it was supposed to be March 25th. That was the first date that was thrown out. Then we were told by one source that, well, actually, it's going to happen March 11th. And then we were told by another source that... Well, something else might be happening for UFC 282 that could feature Jamal Hill. Co-main event against somebody. We just don't know who yet. And I was like, okay, is Ankaliyev out of the fight? Is Jan Bohovic out of the fight? Like, no one was talking, but I know Jamal was in discussions to fight at 282 in the co-main event against one of these guys. 
Uh, turns out it was not what any of us expected because it was Yuri Prohashka who was hurt. And now we were trying to figure out the main event. And then Jamal would possibly fight the, the odd man out. So you could have done Jamal versus Ankoliath, but I don't know if Jamal takes that fight on such short notice because it's just not all that appealing from a stylistic perspective. But if Glover had said yes to fighting Ankoliath, then we, we would have got Jamal Hill versus Jan Blachowicz. Like There's a very good chance that would have happened. But, or you could have just said, you know what? Let's just make Patty the freaking main event. And we'll just do Glover and Ankoliath in Brazil. Like, I don't know. What's beautiful about all of this is that Glover ultimately won more than anybody at UFC 282, and he didn't even have to fight. Isn't that the best? Don't you just love when that happens? And that's what happened. Uh, he's, gets a, he's getting a pretty favorable matchup here, if we're being honest. So it's just strange. It's just a strange time because. Even if Glover wins, and I think he will win, I don't think he's the best. Like, he might be the third best 205er in the world. Like, I want to see him and Yuri fight, and I'm kind of rooting for Glover in a way, not as like a fan or anything, but just because that gives us the best path to the Yuri rematch. Because I actually felt that once they rebooked this fight and Yuri was vac- vacated the belt and Glover was kind of out of the title picture for a while that this rematch was just never going to happen. I was preparing myself to live in a world where we didn't get that rematch. But now there's a chance. The problem is, I think, and although the road is going to be a long one for Magomed Ankoliath, he will eventually get back there. And when he does, I think he will win the belt. And I think he's going to have a pretty significant reign as the champion. It's just not going to be the most thrilling run as a light heavyweight champion that we've ever seen. But I do feel, I feel like Ankle a problem for almost everybody in this division, even Yuri, even Glover. But yeah, that fight was not, at least Dana didn't think the fight was great. I thought that the fight was pretty damn good. Like the first three rounds were really compelling, especially with Jan landing those leg kicks and having Magomed pretty banged up. And then Ankalaev was just like, oh, yeah, I could just tackle this dude and win. And he showed a, a just an extremely glaring hole in Jan Bohovic's game. So we'll see what happens at 205. It's uh, Glover won. The division as a whole probably didn't, but Saturday was a pretty damn good night for Glover Teixeira. Let's go to Anthony. What's Yo, up, heck of a morning. You too. Uh, <laughs> these, this, this sounds crazy, right? So let's try to stick with me. But um, two matchups to make after last weekend: Till versus Jake Paul. And these matchups aren't going to make sense. I'm thinking out of the box. Till versus Jake Paul, and Patty the Batty versus Justin Gaethje. And I didn't think about this for a little, for a little bit. But Buddy, who called in earlier, was on to something. I feel like you just got to give him the top five opponent. And then hopefully he has he either has his McGregor moment or he doesn't. I mean, I'm not going to debate if he does or not. And I know everybody's going to have a strong opinion on that. We're not here to debate that. But I think that's the direction they would go. Because I mean, why would they give <clears throat> why would they give the rub to like 
You know, they can't really they can't give the rub to Grant Dawson. They can't give the rub to I mean, maybe Jalen Turner, but I mean, it's it's tough because to, I mean, we're all looking at the Patty matchup like, oh, who who do we want to match up with? And he's gonna win. I mean, we just gotta say fuck it at this point. And then um, with the Paul and Till fight, yeah, I know. Uh, Till he, he kind of just needs a mental coach. I, I guess that's what everybody's saying, and this seems right. And I don't know. He was a Thai boxer. I, I mean, I feel like the UFC might release him to go fight on some lower promotions, get some wins. I don't know. That makes more sense than just fucking fighting some up and coming hungry ass motherfucker. Uh, that's all. Thank you. Yeah, they won't do that, um, and they're not going to release Hill because it's not like, look, he lost that first round was rough, the third round was rough, but the second round, not so rough. Hill looked pretty good in the second round. He overcame a beating in the first. This, like, you can see he has something, but he just, when the, when the lights are on and it's fight night, man, it's just not all there. So I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I honestly have no idea. Uh, it won't be Jake Paul, I can tell you that. Uh, Darren Till still has value. People still care about what he does. He's got a long road ahead of him. But to me, I, I think he just needs to take this time off, be with his family, I don't know if he actually tore his ACL or not. Uh, he was saying that after the fight. I would like to see him go back to 170. Just get on that nutrition plan for a while and try to get down to 170 because he ain't. He's a. He's not like he's a big 170er, but he's a super small 185er. He's just not like Duplessis. Just looks like 20 pounds bigger than him out there, and he's just getting chucked around. I think Till's. I, I think the best path for Till is to fight at 170. There's winnable fights for him there, but it's just a matter of him of just kind of getting out of his own way. And Patty versus Gaethje. First of all, we know how that fight's going to go. It's going to go horrendously for for Patty Pimblet. And two, Gaethje doesn't need the rub. Gaethje's got the rub. You're just you're just basically sacrificing Patty Pimblet. If you're gonna do that, there's there's definitely diff- there's definitely other matchups you could you could do. You want to do Moicano? He's an established name. He's starting to get over a little bit. Uh, you could do Turner, sure. Uh, you could do Tony Ferguson. You could do Tony Ferguson. I'm. You could do Michael Chandler. Like Michael Chandler would actually make more sense. Gaethje's like I don't know. It's tough. Pat, booking Patty is very, very difficult. But you could also, you have guys on the come up. Like Terrence McKinney is a very popular dude. So if he wins at UFC 283, I like that idea because Terrence has a great story. He's becoming a star. It has nothing to do with the UFC. Terrence has done this all by himself. Terrence has gotten his story over. Terrence has done all this on his own. His social media presence, this is all him. This is not the UFC pushing him. This is Terrence pushing himself. Give him that fight. Give him that fight. And then if he wins, we we can go from there. But, yeah, it won't be Gaethje because, again, all we're doing is, at that point, we're just stifling these guys who deserve these opportunities. Like, 
what else does Raphael Fazeev have to do to get a fight with a Justin Gaethje or a Chandler? Like, this guy has earned it. Patty hasn't. Throw, you know what? Throw Patty in with RDA. How about that? Throw him in there with RDA. Let's see. That I'm okay with. That makes sense. RDA. RDA is a tough out. It's not the Connor fight that RDA wants, but it's kind of similar in some ways with the name value and the, the attention it'll get. Let's throw him in there with RDA and see how he does. But it's tough to book him. But Gaethje would kill him. Gaethje would kill him. Michael, hello. Michael? You just got to unmute. Oh, we lost you. All right. Let's go to Full Metal Pete. And I think, we gotta, I think we're going to be done after this. Pete, are you there? You're muted, Pete. Hello? Pete, what's up, man? I got you. What's up, guys? Yeah, I um, I was thinking of, like, the 155 pitcher, like, as a whole, and I think that they need to, like, do something other than keep booking. It just seems like they got the rest of the star power out of Gaethje and these guys. They're still relevant, but, like, they need to start fighting these these guys that are, you know, like you said, Fizevs, that would be a great fight for both of them. And I'm wondering when they're going to start putting these other guys in the mix, like with the top five, because the 155 pitcher just has been this wheelhouse of the same couple of fighters, which has been great, but I think it's like time to move on. So like realistically, what do you think happens in 2023, like title pitcher wise with the new talent that are starting to make names for themselves? And that's all I really got. Thanks, man. So hopefully we get Fazeev Gaethje. Like hopefully we get to see a fight like that because Fazeev deserves it. Gaethje seems interested in it. Um, I know Gaethje has talked about, I know when I spoke with Gaethje, his ideal scenario was to fight on the London card. Him versus Fazeev would be a pretty damn good main card fight for that London card, would it not? Love that idea. And then it kind of just depends on where Chandler goes and, you know, will Chandler get the Connor fight? Will he fight before that? What's Poirier going to do? Are they going to do Poirier versus Dariush? Because, I mean... Just when you think Poirier is kind of out of the conversation, he goes and has a performance like he had in November, and you're just like, man, this guy's really, really good. Like He's just really, really good. So, yeah, it's just such a strange division. But it's going to be a while before we start to see the rise of some of these guys. It's, it's tough. I just think they're going to have to all fight each other. Like, we don't know what's going on with Gregor Gillespie. Uh, that's an interesting name in the mix that we haven't seen in a while. What's Gamrock going to do next? Like, I just feel like the best way for these guys to get there is you're just going to have to eliminate each other. And it shouldn't be that way, but it's kind of where we're at right now. So hopefully we get Gaethje Fazeev. If we get that, then I think maybe it could be the start of a bunch of dominoes falling. And I kind of hope that happens. But it's the best division in the sport. Steve, Hello. Steve, you there? You are muted. 
All right. Let's move on. We'll go to JSTAT and then double A will we'll close this out. JSTAT, hello. Yep. Okay, so what is the update on Francis versus Jones? Um, I'm really looking forward to that fight. I'm I feel somewhat hopeful, but I'm not sure. So yeah, that'd be all. Thanks, man. So um I feel like those who listen every week, we've been kind of uh, following along with the tale here. Uh, not much of an update from the last time we talked about this. Um, negotiations going well from all accounts. Uh, it seems like we're trending in the right direction, but nothing's done. There's no like official offer on the table because again, we have contract stuff, we have injury stuff um, and all of that. But from, Everybody I've spoken to seems like everything's trending in the right direction. I'm not going to be like, Hey, it's a hundred percent done or anything like that, but I'm, I'm, how do I want to phrase this? Nothing's done or even like in the works or anything like that. Like that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants March 4th to do this fight. All sides seem to be in. We still have to take care of all this other stuff. We don't know what Francis is going to, we don't know what the condition is. We don't know if he's going to be physically ready for March, but that's kind of what everyone's eyeballing here. I'm going to say one to 10, my confidence level in that fight happening March 4th. And again, nothing is done. Seven, maybe a little more than seven. And it could be higher, but we're dealing with a lot here. There's a lot of intangibles. Like we mentioned, the injury, the contract, and then just John Jones in general, who is the ultimate wild card. But I feel I, I feel like we're gonna get that fight. I feel good about it. Am I going all in on it? Absolutely not. But I feel good about it. And I know I'm not alone. I know Ariel's talked about it as well. Uh, a little after we've been talking about it for a few weeks, but like I said, all accounts, talks are going well. Everyone seems to be somewhat on the same page, but still, we got we still have hurdles to leap over. So hopefully by 283, that fight gets announced because at that point, we're going to be like six weeks away from it happening because January 21st right to March 4th, and it's going to be – it's going to be a hot and heavy start to 2023. Some big ass fights going on. Let's go to double A. Hello, double A. Good. Okay. I've got two for you. Um, the first one is what, what's your thoughts on Bobby Green's um, comments at his media day press conferences? Um, he made up comments about the drugs thing and Islam possibly being on drugs when he was like 10 or something, I believe he said. And my second one is, being it's the last um, <clears throat> card of the year coming up, just um, some highlights from you would be cool. Be cool um, For me, uh, probably number one will definitely be when looking back on this year when Leon won the belt because that was absolutely nuts. That's all I've got. Have a great day, Mike. Everyone else, have a great day too. You're all awesome. Catch you on the flip side and peace. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, Leon has to probably be at the top of the list. Um, just one of those moments where 
just makes you realize why we love this crazy sport, even with all the chaos and the ups and the downs, a moment like that. That's why we love the sport. Uh, I would say Hamzat Gilbert Burns was one that I will remember for sure. Uh, not even being in the arena, like watching that fight happen, just being in the back as that fight was happening. I felt like there's a freaking earthquake in the media room as that fight was happening. And we were watching it all going bananas in the media room. Uh, that fight in particular stands out to me for sure. Uh, Yuri Prohashka submitting Glover Teixeira after maybe the most chaotic fight we've ever seen. Um, those, I mean, those are definitely Sarukian Gamrot as a fight is up there. Those are some moments. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. France, France Ghana, Jesus. France has beaten Cyril Ghana on one leg and everything that came after that. France has taken a stand. Great highlight for me. Uh, Volkanovsky's year. The two title defenses, two of the all-time best UFC title defenses in the history of the company, in my opinion. Two perfect games. I mean, there's a lot to like. A lot to like this year. Definitely. I forget your other question. Jesus. So much going on. Uh, football 512. Let's see if we can get you in here, and then I have to go after this. It's spinning. Do we have them? Nope. Couldn't get them. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? We'll take one more. Barbarossa, what you got, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I um, I just want to ask about um, the Yiri. Uh... Whoop. I heard Yiri, and that was it. Oh, I, I figured out Double A's other question. Um, Bobby Green at the media day. I mean, just kind of Bobby being Bobby. I like the opening thing, talking about the, the, the suspension and his name kind of being dragged through the mud. Very passionate dude. Islam stuff is, I mean, just allegations up the wazoo, but it's Bobby being Bobby. 20, this is a very interesting fight for Bobby. And I think twenty if he wins, 2023 is going to be a really interesting one as well. Because Jed and I have been talking about this for a while. If there's going to be another sort of Mazadal-esque type of move anywhere in MMA and in the UFC, where like a wily vet who people have sort of been backing and following along with for a while, just all of a sudden just catches lightning in a bottle and just gets something cooking and it's real big. I feel like Bobby Green could be that guy. I feel like Bobby can be the guy. He's in a tough, tough division. But I feel like if he goes out there and has a moment here, comes back in 2023 and 
just gets a couple of finishes. Like, I feel like he could be that dude. And I feel like he's been knocking on that door and just he's run into, I mean, of course he ran into Islam Makachev and that's never fun, but I feel like, I feel like he's right there for something big to happen. Like a late career resurgence uh, that people are just going to be into. Could be him. We'll see what happens with Drew Dober, but he's a personality, man. Guy is a personality, to say the very least. But we are done. Thank you very much. Uh, No show tomorrow, like I said. That's when the vacay starts. Plan is, week from today, we'll knock out a show. Uh, Basically, it'll be sandwiched in between two trips. So, yeah. So, off to Boston tomorrow. Back Wednesday night. Maybe we'll hop in and do one of these on Thursday. And then... Off to my parents in Florida on Friday for the next five or six days and then back at it. But we have so much content coming your way. Don't worry about it. BTL 1 p.m. Eastern coming up later on today on the YouTube channel. So check that out. Just me and Jed shooting the breeze. Uh, All your typical fight week stuff going down. Preview show, post-fight show, people's pre-fight show, on to the next one. All that stuff happening even without me. So don't you worry about that. Uh, awards coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll have you prepared for that with the show and write-ups and all that fun stuff. Uh, and the awards should be fun this year. Some of them are obvious, but narrowing down to five for all these categories is going to be kind of tricky because there's a lot of good options for fighter of the year and KO and rookie and submission and fight. A lot of good stuff to go through. So you guys are the best. Thank you very much. Back next Thursday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, everybody. Have a heck of a morning, a heck of a week, heck of a weekend. We'll see you later. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.